Welcome to the TeacherCast Educational Network, coming to you from the TeacherCast studios since 2011. Join us each week as we bring you the latest educational news, ed tech updates, and hottest interviews with today's most influential leaders in education. And now, for your host, Jeff Bradbury. Hello, everybody. Welcome to the TeacherCast Educational Network. My name is Jeff Bradbury. Thank you so much for joining us today and making TeacherCast your home for professional development. This is TeacherCast podcast episode number 210. Welcome to 2020, our first podcast of the new year. I am looking forward to a great 2020. I hope you guys are. There are so many great changes happening over on TeacherCast. Have you checked out our brand new podcasting album artwork? There's a lot of great things happening out there. Check us out over on TeacherCast.net for all the great stuff. We are looking forward to a great year, and we want to know what you guys are doing as the calendar turns over. Check us out over on TeacherCast.net. Follow us on Twitter at TeacherCast, and don't forget to hit those subscribe buttons. We are wherever you find your podcasts, on Apple iTunes, on Google Play, Stitcher Radio, all that great stuff. Check us out today and share a little bit of TeacherCast with your friends. You know, guys, I was thinking over the last couple days of break, it is time to get back into that classroom. I know... I know we don't necessarily want to, but it is time to get back into that classroom. And today we're going to be talking all about New Year's resolutions, things that we're going to be looking forward to, and also ways that we can help out our students. You see, like some of you guys out there, I am in my first year teaching middle school. And even though I've been an educator for the last almost 20 years, being in a new building, new position, new students, this is the time where we have to get those kids together kind of rally the troops a little bit and think about how we're not even, you know, how we're going to finish off the marking period that just was, how we're going to finish off the semester. I know in my building, we are a semester-based class, so I have to go back and I still have four weeks of the students before I get brand new kids in. What is that going to look like? What's it going to look like for teachers? What's it going to look like for students? And that is why I am thrilled to have my guest on today. She's returning to the podcast. She is an amazing educator. She is the vice president of K-12 strategy for Instructure and as a, is a great friend of the show. I want to bring back onto the show Miss Hillary Sharton. Hillary, how are you today? Welcome back to the show. I'm great. Thanks so much for having me, Jeff. It is so great to see you. How was your holiday? It was delightful. I have to tell you, um, I'm still uh, uh, at the point in my life where when I take so many days off in a row, um, I'm unsure what to do to fill my time. So I'm actually a little bit glad to be back. It is almost like, you know, I I look at it like the Wizard of Oz, right? I I need to have that oil can around me just to kind of get the joints going a little bit because now we're back heading into school. Some of us are listening to this episode while they're in school. Some of us might be listening to this episode as they're driving to their first day of school. There's a lot that we're looking forward to in 2020. Um, I, I want to first talk about uh, some of the great things that are happening with you as we're going through here. There's a lot of great news happening with Canvas. What is new with the Canvas network? Um, lots of things coming uh, in 2020. Um, we have just uh, kicked off our our engineering planning for 2020. And I think that everyone who has Canvas and uses them um, it's going to be super excited about the improvements that we'll see. We're going to spend probably the first half of the year focusing on on the workflows that we do 
every single day and see if we can make some of that a little bit better. Um, some of those click paths a little bit shorter for our, uh, for our longtime clients. I know I am looking forward to seeing you and the Canvas team in Anaheim this year at ISTE. I know get, get, trying to figure out how do we get to these different conferences is something that I'm looking forward to. Um, and if you guys are going to be down in Florida this month, I'll be down at FETC. Is, uh, is, is Canvas going to be at FETC, Hillary? We'll be there too. I'm looking forward to that. And if you guys are checking out everything at FETC, check us out. We're going to be running around with our microphone, doing interviews. And uh, also, we do have our podcasting workshop on Tuesday morning. So check out everything happening with the TeacherCast Educational Network, both at FETC and online. Hillary, today we're talking all about New Year's resolutions. Do you have a New Year's resolution? You know, um, it's embarrassing to admit, but I, I have the same New Year's resolution. One of many that is the same every single year, um, and that's to be in better shape, uh, which is a terrible goal. When we think about New, Year, New Year's resolutions, like all we're really saying is that we're setting a goal and losing weight is like the worst, the worst goal to set ever. Um, it would make so much more sense to say something like, I want to be able to run a marathon or I want to lose 35 pounds or I want to only eat vegetables. You know, something you can actually measure <laughs> and track would be so much better. Um, but here I am again uh, with the goal of uh, losing weight. I think like many teachers, we have a similar goal of we would like to get more, you know, put together here. I know looking forward to everything. I spent the last couple days really trying to reorganize my classroom, put together my websites, making sure that everything is in order, going back into my Google drives and organizing all those folders, getting things ready. So that way, when we do start back at school, we are hitting the ground running. But so many times we, we as teachers go into that first day of students and we just start teaching. We never really take the time to say to our students, look, let's start thinking about the next couple weeks of the semester or the last four weeks, in my case, of the semester. Let's set some goals for ourselves. Why is this important? Why, why as teachers and why do we need to be goal setters? Why do we need to be organized? And, and, and what does that do for us as professionals in our classrooms? Kids don't intrinsically <clears throat> have the uh, have the ability to make goals. It's not something they you know you do as a baby and you do as a child. Oh, I'm going to make a goal to be better at a thing. So um, teachers being able to have these conversations in the classrooms are super important because uh, goal setting is a great life skill for kids. But I think really one of the most important things that happens when you set a goal is that um, if you set it well, if it's a measurable goal. Um, is you identify your current state. Um, I did a lot of research when I worked in schools about um, uh, how to influence student achievement, especially around uh, elementary schools and math. And what I discovered was uh, one of the best ways, one of the fastest ways, one of the largest ways that you can improve student achievement in math is just letting students know where they stand right now. Um, it turns out that they don't uh, they don't actually have to receive any other kind of intervention. If you just tell them what their data is now, um, they naturally want to beat that next time, which I think is super cool. So, so what so, does that mean? Do we walk in on day one and say, Hillary, you're at a B plus right now? Or do we say, hey, you're missing X number of great. Like, what does that mean? 
That's something uh, that we want to be maybe a little bit more particular on. It could be um, that uh, our students are really, really proud of the B, B plus that they're getting. And so you, you may not want to have them necessarily set a goal around grades. Maybe there's um, some other smaller goal that they could set, like uh, turning in more assignments on time or um, learning the next um, uh, uh, standard uh, that they need to learn or um, learning a little bit faster or being better prepared for uh, exams. Things like that are all things that you can measure um, and set goals around that might not be uh, this is your whole grade for the class because that can be a little overwhelming. I, I totally agree. And you, you have mentioned this word a couple of times, measurable, right? Setting goals that are measurable, not just saying, hey, Hillary, try to do better this time or hey, Hillary, try to make sure that you get everything turned in. But really, let's let's be measurable. You need to make sure that you're turning in. Is it nine out of 10 things? Like, how, how do we help kids understand the concept of being measurable with their goals? Um, uh, giving them uh, the ability to measure their goals, so making sure that they have all of the, all of the data that they need, whether it's uh, they're aware of the assignments and when they're happening, they're aware of what's missing. You know, one of the things about um, about pretty much just human beings is that um, we learn about a lot about this in in uh, behaviorism and psychology. Is that if you want to change someone's behavior, you can't just tell them to stop doing a thing, right? You have to give them a replacement behavior. And so, um, telling students just do better, just be better, doesn't doesn't help them identify what they're supposed to do instead of what they're doing now. Um, so, if you can call out really specifically. Uh, things that uh, that will help make the change that you want to see or even better, the change that they want to see, um, they'll be so much more successful. I'm assuming that depending on the grade, you may or may not want to bring in the family structure into this. I mean, is it is it reasonable to say that I'm going to email somebody's parent and go, you know, hey, uh, Hillary's mom and dad, I'm setting this goal or we're setting this goal together for Hillary. Can you help us make sure like where, where does family come into this, these goals? So that's a place where I where I always tread carefully um, unless I know a lot about uh, what's going on at home. Um, in uh, when I worked in schools, we often did involve parents, especially when I when I understood the family structure. But um, if parents might be uh, uh, disappointed or, or horrified or scared by an email from a teacher uh, that's saying things about getting better, just tread carefully, communicate with the student, and and make sure that that you understand the ramifications of, of any messaging that you send home. Now, I think any teacher out there knows all about goal setting. And, and one of the things that I like to do for my goals is I put them in front of me. And one of the things I was taught a long time ago is if you write it down and you put it on your wall, well, now you're held accountable for it. If you, if you tell somebody that this is your goal, then it's time to do it. I mean, and here in TeacherCast, I've been saying for the last six months, in 2020, I'm going to create this. I'm going to create a, an online course. I'm going to work on this book that I'm doing. I'm going to do all these different things. And you hear me, I'm, I've been saying it a lot in our podcast because it's just motivating me to continue to do it. If more people know that this is your goal, here it is. So when it comes to our classrooms, where do these goals lie? Do they lie in our learning management system? Do they lie in on, on, on our wall? Do we have a special Google Doc between the you know a teacher and a class? How do we make sure that we're all holding each other's accountable for for these things? 
you know, I think it can happen just about anywhere. It can be wherever you already are. Uh, we do know that just writing down a goal makes you 30% more likely to achieve it. Uh, we also know that there's some social pressure when you say you're going to do something and then other people can hold you accountable. Um, but we also know that uh, not only setting the goal, but actually out loud making a plan with someone um, uh, it makes it even more likely uh, that you'll achieve your goal. Can I tell you a story? A, Please. A, a story that's an example of that. So they were doing voter registration uh, research. These voter people were um, a handful of years ago, seeing um, if they could get more people to go out to the polls. And and what they discovered was it wasn't enough to go door to door and and help people sign up to be voters. It wasn't enough to to help them sign up and then ask them if they were going to vote. Um, more people turned out if uh, they went door to door signed them up, asked them if they were going to vote, and then asked them what their plan was for getting to their polling place on election day. And if people uh, took a moment and uh, outlined their plan for what time of day and how they were going to get there, like if they understood uh, the mechanics of getting the thing done, way, way, way more likely to vote. And I think that's true of, of pretty much any goal we set. If we can help students understand the steps they need to take to accomplish whatever it is they want to accomplish, they're going to be so much more likely to make progress. You know, something else I, I'm picking up on that you're saying, you're saying goal. Is it goal or is it goals? Should we be saying to the kids on our first day or so, you know, come up with three things you want to work on? knowing that the odds game might be maybe they accomplish one, maybe they accomplish two, or do you go, what's the one thing that you want to focus on and let's focus on that together? So that's, uh, that's a difficult question. I think it depends on the, on the depth and breadth and scope of the, of the goals that you're encouraging your kidlets to have, right? If they're small goals, maybe set a handful. If it's, um, something giant that will take a lot of focus and a lot of time, um, maybe just make the one and break that down into other mini goals. Um, if we can experience success as we're making progress against our goals, that um, will also help us um, achieve more and keep us more motivated to, to stay on top of whatever it is we're trying to do. So we're talking today about helping our students set our goals, helping us as teachers set our goals for each other. And, you know, again, we're talking about finding those specific things, making them measurable, helping to hold students accountable. Let's kind of talk a little bit about that process. How do we do that? I would assume that if a school district's using an application like a learning management system, like Canvas, where a teacher and a student are both digitally connected to each other, it's probably easier for a teacher to help students with those goals let's say that the goal is to get better grades because the teacher can go in and work together on, uh, on digital documents or on resources and something. Why is it important for teachers and students to have those digital connections when working on those goals together? You know, when it comes to goals, I think uh, the biggest benefit that a learning management system can have to a classroom is um, being able to uh, more quickly uh, give you access to the data that you need to understand where student progress is, mm -hmm. right? And something like like Canvas and every learning management system is like this. But in in something like Canvas, uh, students can see their grades, teachers can see their grades, parents can see their grades, and so everybody understands where you stand today, and that's the only way you can understand what you have to do next. Um, so we all have all of the digital tools, Google and Microsoft and, and e-portfolios and, and assessment tools and all kinds of other stuff. But um, 
really being able to to understand where you are quickly in your data, I think is the best thing that those things can do for us. One of the things that I'm working on right now and have been for the last few days as we've been off here is, you know, finding that one focal goal for my school, but then also trying to figure out how to break it down. And, you know, I was watching some YouTube channel where they said, like, you know, let's raise our bottom line 20 percent over the next six weeks. And and those are hard things to think about. What is 20% over six weeks? Well, it's it's 2% a day. Let's see if we can raise our grade 2% every day or 4% every week or whatever the math turned out to be. If we give our kids those smaller goals, they don't think that, you know, let's wait, let's coast for the next four weeks and then suddenly put on the afterburners for the final for the final week or so of class. I mean, Long-term goals and short-term goals are really, really important for students to understand. Oh, absolutely. And um, when you have a giant goal like that, if you do break it down into the steps, um, just the process of breaking it down is going to let you know a little bit more about whether or not it's even possible. Um, lots of times we think that we would like to accomplish something, and it turns out that there's really, there's really not a way for us to get from here to there in the allotted time that we gave ourselves, right? So we need to we need to make sure that when we're setting goals, they're they're specific and measurable, but also achievable. Um, students will get uh, discouraged if they constantly experience failure. Teachers see this all the time. This is why we do all that scaffolding for kids, right? Mm -hmm. Kids need to experience success if they're going to be enthusiastic about uh, about sticking with a task. One of the things, and I'm going to ask you the dad question here, but rewards, right? I'm sitting here for the last couple of weeks, really having some quality time with the edu triplets. They're six years old. They're having a great time. They just opened up all these presents, but they still have to make their beds. They still have to clean up their rooms. And of course we say, you know, you can't do X until you do Y, or you can't get that prize. Should we be looking at that in the classroom? Should we be saying, do you want the prize, then do your homework? Or should doing your homework be satisfying enough to then, you know, the reward and satisfaction of the grade is the prize? Or does there have to be a party at the end of the day? Do you enjoy homework, Jeff? I got to ask. Well, I, I, well I, I'm going to enjoy editing this podcast when we're finished, Hillary. <laughs> so, yes, I love my homework greatly, ma'am. <laughs> So lots of times, um, uh, lots of times homework is not the funnest thing to happen. And uh, lots of times my homework is not the funnest thing I could, I could spend my time doing. Uh, right. So, um, especially when kids are younger, they don't have, um, that intrinsic motivation that you would get from something like receiving good grades. Cause a grade is really just, um, a token or a stand-in for something else, right? Like a grade um, is just something that your parents are going to praise you for, and then that's the actual reinforcer. Um, so helping our especially younger kids um, tie whatever behavior it is you that you want them to do uh, with some external motivation is a fantastic way to get started and honestly the only way that any of us ever get the internal motivation to do things but we're, we're, what's the chicken and the egg do you start the conversation by saying would you like a party well then get your grades up or do you have the conversation that says let's take a quick step and see where we are with our grades and if you do this then we'll do the party what, what where do you what comes first yeah i think it depends on on uh 
on the kind of goal that you're setting. If you're setting a, a behavioral goal to solve some sort of naughtiness or, or other unfortunate thing that's happening, or if you're setting um, a, a goal to increase achievement and the, the student is already sort of motivated. When I worked in schools and we were and we were doing something that maybe the kidlet didn't necessarily uh, want to do all that much, I would start with reinforcers. I'd do a reinforcer survey. I'd figure out what the kid liked, whether it's praise or parties or or toys or whatever it is, more time to, to play at recess, whatever it is. Tell me what you like, and then we'll make that activity, extra of that activity, contingent on uh, me seeing the behavior that I want to see out of you. So I think it, I think it depends on... Uh, whether or not they want to. Well, we've certainly gone through a, a lot here today as far as setting goals. And we want to know what you guys think out of there. Are you guys setting goals for your classroom? If you are, check us out over on teachercast.net. Leave us a voicemail at teachercast.net slash voicemail. I would love to hear what your New Year's resolutions are. I will tell you for 2020, my New Year's resolution is to finish the year strong. It is our first year here in teaching middle school. And as I'm turning the corner of my first semester, I get to do it again. And my big New Year's resolution, I'm going to say it right here, I want to get more content through my class. And I think anybody who's doing a new course or a new year knows that it takes a while because every day for me, I'm doing something for the first time. So now I've got a few more weeks to wrap up this semester. I'm going to start the whole thing again. And I already know that some of the things are going to be new. Some of the things I'm just going to grab and tweak a little bit. I want to see if I can add another 10% onto my courses because I'll be able to do them quicker. I'm not, uh, you know, waiting two or three more days because I'm building the next lesson as my kids are doing these activities. That's me. Those are my New Year's resolutions for myself and for my class. What are yours out there? We would love to hear from you guys. And, and you know, one of my other New Year's New York. New Year's resolutions this year is to be a little bit more interactive with my audience. And I know, Hillary, Canvas has some great New Year's resolutions, too. What are some of the things that you and the Canvas team are looking forward to in 2020 as that calendar turns over and we get into the new year? Canvas um, has been around for a while now. Uh, our main goals are around uh, getting better at the things that we already do and then continuing to innovate and push forward uh, what software for education does so that we can we can help solve more problems that teachers and students are seeing in the classroom. Hillary, I want to say thank you so much for coming on the show. It is always great to have you. And I love this topic that you brought to the show, talking about New Year's resolutions. I've got some, you've got some, we've all got some. And I would love to have you guys be a part of the TeacherCast Educational Network. Hillary, where can we learn more about Canvas? How do we learn more and and, and become part of the Canvas family this year? Uh, you can see all about Canvas at canvaslms.com. And of course, we want to say thank you guys for making TeacherCast your home for professional development. This is our ninth year we're going to be celebrating at the end of July, and we're looking forward to a great calendar year. On behalf of Hillary and everybody here in the TeacherCast Educational Network, my name is Jeff Bradbury, reminding you to keep up the great work in your classrooms and continue sharing your passions with your students. You've been listening to the TeacherCast Educational Network, hosted by Jeff Bradbury. Please reach out to the show with all of your questions on Twitter, at TeacherCast, or online at www.teachercast.net. Be sure to subscribe to our podcast so you don't miss any future episodes. And please take a moment to write a review in the App Store.